Okay. Um, we just finished a, a series uh, called Overflow that talked about um, taking all that God has done in us, waiting on the Spirit, and then bringing that out into our communities for the purpose of having impact, transformation, uh, physically in the communities, spiritually in the communities, with people, and uh, just kind of how to do that and what that looks like. And um, it's online. There's a book that was online. It's a great book. would encourage you to read it. But I want to move. We're going to kind of start a mini-series for the next four or five weeks on identity because the reality is, is you can know all the right things that you're supposed to do. But if you don't believe and know who you are, the authority that you have and the power that you have, you will be slow to execute. You will have fear that will prevent you from doing the things that you know you're supposed to do. And so in this series, I'm going to uh, speak the first two weeks, and then uh, I'll speak on authority this week, power next week, and then Brian Robinson is going to teach on the importance of being a part of a family under the authority of Christ, his kingdom, and then the church. And then Cheryl Williams is going to speak on identity. I know. I know. I appreciate that cheer. I never, never get that. But uh, <laughs> I am excited about Cheryl speaking She's amazing, and, uh, and then I'll wind it up on week five if, if Cheryl was average, because I don't want to come after that, okay? So um, I want to start with this. I want to start with uh, some testimonies of, of two ordinary people in our church that were really impacted um, through the power of the Spirit in the, in the series we just got through, the Overflow series. Now, these are guys that um, are just normal guys. It's not like they are uh, super involved in any particular thing. They are business guys. I would say that they came into River City Church unfamiliar with the work and the power of the Spirit. And, um, and God really met them. And it was a real testimony that God is moving right now. That, there is, is, that God is on the move at River City Church. That, that This idea of overflow is happening. And it just confirms that. You know, one of the guys um, doesn't come up for prayer ministry. And didn't come up for prayer ministry on one of the days. And someone went over, went over to, to them, to him, and said, uh, "I have feel like this, the Holy Spirit has something in my heart that I'm supposed to share with you." Okay, and so we would call this like a word of knowledge or wisdom that the the Bible talks about in the gifts of the Spirit in First Corinthians. Okay, to edify the church. And so they said to this person, not knowing anything about him, they said, um, "I feel like the Lord saying that you are a leader of men." And that you have been gifted as a leader of men and you have authority in this area. And um, that God wants you to move out and go for it. That you are in the midst of making a really big decision that's going to affect a lot of people that, is, that you're worried about. And God is saying he's with you and he wants you to go for it. Now that is an identity word, isn't it? it it's God saying, this is who you are. This is who I am. I'm going to move with you. I'm going to go with you. Now trust and believe this. Now the next week, they decided after that, like, oh, I'm coming for ministry. I'm coming down. And so they came down for ministry, and the prayer minister was praying for them, and the worship music was going on, and they couldn't hear what the prayer minister was saying in their ear at all. The prayer minister didn't know this. But the whole time the prayer minister was, was uh, ministering to them, listening and praying for them, he said that the Lord was reminding him of all the negative things that had been spoken over him, 
All the lies that he had been told by his boss, all the, the things that people in his, his life had said about him that weren't true. He said he was just there. He couldn't hear anything. And he felt like the Lord was saying, like, this isn't who you are. And it would leave. This isn't who you are. This is a lie about who you are. This isn't who you are. And at the end of it, they said that he, they felt lighter, that they felt like a burden had been lifted that, that matched the need, that, that he needed to move in confidence with the word that he had the previous week. And so, again, an identity, an identity word telling this person, this is who you are, this is who I am, and this is what I've come to, done, come to do, bring you freedom, set you free from those lies that you believed about yourself so you will move in authority and power in this new area. Now, the other one was a, a, a person that they... Um, they had grown up in the church, and again, they were new to kind of the charismatic, the gift stuff, and they would come forward, and they said that there was this word that had been spoken over them their whole life, and it had to do with God impacting them, and the result of the impact was that they would, like, turn this corner, and there would, that God would use them in a powerful way, and they heard it, they heard it, they heard it, and then um, one Sunday, they came down. And they, they, uh, as a result of the talk, God leading them down, and the word was spoken over them again. And there was this emotional response, and he knew that he knew that God had just turned the corner, had turned him, had turned him around the corner to have this impact that he had been sensing in his heart, but that now God was going to move out. And so, like... We went to meet with him, and his wife was freaking out, like, are we moving to Zimbabwe? What's going on? And uh, there's a real fear, which is what I would feel. That's a, normal, that's a normal experience to have when the power of the Spirit moves like that. But again, it's an identity marker about who God is and the work that he has for them to do as a family. And he, he doesn't know what that is going to be or what that's going to look like. And he's beginning to process, but his heart has been opened up. As a result of God saying, this is who I've made you to be. And in order for us to become who God has made us to be and to do the things that God has made us to do, we have to trust and believe that we are who God says we are and that we need to step in that, step into that and move in the power that he gives those to do the work in the ministry of building the kingdom of God. This talk began... Before Easter Sunday, whenever I thought, man, I was reading about the resurrection, because that's what happens on Easter Sunday, and uh, that's what happens, that was a joke. Okay, so, <laughs> I know I'm no Cheryl Williams, but you know, when I say a joke, you can laugh. And uh, anyway, so, and I thought, after the resurrection, there's no miracles. There's no healing miracles that Jesus does. I mean, he does cool stuff like pass through walls, and like, Blinds people, I mean, blinds their, their sight so they don't see who he is and opens their mind. So he does cool stuff. But there are no kingdom-building ministries, miracles that happen. I was like, why is that? And I don't know the fullness of what the answer to that is. But I would guess that he was showing the disciples that my time here, my ministry here, is finished. On the cross, he says, it is finished. I have finished all that my father has asked me to do. And now it's your turn to continue the work that my father is asking you to do now, that I'm asking you to do. I have finished it. The, the war is, is over, but the battle for you 
It's just beginning. And in order for that battle, in order for us to join in that battle, we need to move in the authority of who we are so we can exercise the power that we've been given. Jesus says this in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and earth. That's all authority, okay? Everywhere Jesus has all authority has been given to me by my Father. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. And this is the transaction where Jesus is giving authority over to the disciples to do what he had or that what he was doing. If Jesus needed the power, the supernatural power of the Spirit to do the work of the Father, to do the ministry of the Father, and, the, and he had the authority of the Father to do it over all things, then the disciples would need the same authority and the disciples would need the same power. This is what happened, and this is why it's hard for us. Just a real brief history of, of, of how we've landed, where we are, and why we kind of struggle with understanding this kind of uh, this battle that we're in. In the beginning, there was Adam and Eve, right? Right, okay? And they were naked, and they were happy in the Garden of Eden because they were naked, okay? And all things were as they should be. Their relationship with God was as it should be, and God gave them dominion to rule over, authority to rule over all of his creation. And he gave them the power to rule over all of his creation, to demonstrate his glory and his beauty to all of creation, to expand the Garden of Eden through all of creation, throughout the world. And then Satan comes in, tempts them, they fall, and they lose their authority. And he receives their authority. This is called dominion theology. And he receives dominion over the earth. And with that comes sin, comes brokenness, comes death, comes pain, emotional pain, spiritual pain, attack. All of these things enter the world as a result of the authority that's been lost by us that we were given and the power that we are given and given to the enemy. And so then Jesus comes on the scene and what happens? He's like, boom, shakalaka, I'm bringing it. Here we go. It's me against you, Satan, and I've been given all authority. I'm doing what the Father said I can do. I am more powerful than you. There's nothing you can do against me. I'm amazing, and you're not, okay? And he goes to the cross, and when he says, it is finished, what he's saying, this is the temple tour. We gain access to the Holy of Holies so that we can be made righteous, so that we can become children of God with the same authority and power. And so Jesus takes back the authority in conquering the enemy, conquering the enemy and death that he had imposed on the world to bring us freedom and to bring life and to bring peace to the world. Okay, and so he says, when he sends us out, you need this authority, you have this authority, I'm giving it to you because I'm over everything, so I can give this to you in the same way my father gave it to me, I'm giving it to you, and you need to exercise your authority, regain dominion over the things that my father has created you to have. And the way that you will, only way you'll be able to do that is by moving in the power, moving in the power of the Spirit to do the things that my Father has called you to do. Now, this is what, this is what um, power and authority are. Power 
is the ability and the strength and the might to complete a given task. Okay? Authority is the right to use the power of God. Okay, so power, I can do this. I have the power. I know. I got the power, right? I have the power to do what I'm being asked to do. But I also have the authority to do it. Okay, so we have been given authority so that we can exercise power and do what God has called us to do. That's who we are. That's, called, that's who we're called to be. That's what we're called to do, okay? Now, it's like a police officer. Here's, here's an example. I have a friend who's a police officer, and they said that they, uh, that they are called to go on these crazy... He, he, he worked up in, like, District 5, uh, where there was, like, the most shootings, the most violence in Jacksonville. And he would get a call, and he'd say, like, there's a disturbance, or there's a party, or there's, like, something happening. Go and make it right, okay? Go restore peace and order or whatever. And so he would walk into these crowds of 20 and 30 people sometimes, just himself, angry people, people that might be fighting, might be hammered drunk, you know, high on drugs or whatever. And he would walk into these crowds by himself. And I'm like, what the what? I would, that's terrifying. Because at any moment, they would just overthrow. They could just like saying, yo, here we go. Mm -mm -mm." Right? They could do that. And he'd go wobbly headed and they would kill him or whatever. But they don't. They don't. Because he is wearing a badge and a uniform that communicates the authority he has. The authority that's been given to him. And he's also been given the power to execute that authority if things go cray cray, right? So he has weapons. His taser, gun, shotgun, he can call back up. All of these things he's been given to exercise his authority. Well, the same is true for us. The same is true for us. We are called to go into the world and, being, and bring peace, to restore peace. We are called to bring, go into the world and restore, uh, uh, make rest happen. We are called to go into the world and rescue people who are being oppressed. We are called to go into the world and take back what the enemy has stolen, what doesn't belong to the enemy. But again, the only way we can do that is operating in our authority and the power of the Spirit. Paul says this in Ephesians. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. Paul did not call the believer to enter into a spiritual warfare. That's how we think of it, don't we? Put this on, 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 and then engage in spiritual warfare. He says, no, this is a fact. There is a war going on. Whether you like it or not, you are in a fight. You are in the war. When you became a believer, when you went from darkness to light, When somebody overflowed into your life, shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with you, you received it. Immediately, right then, you entered the battle. You entered the war. And if you're ignorant of this, or you choose to ignore it, if you ignore that fact, then you're probably not winning the battle. You're probably not exercising your authority and power because you don't need it. 
How do you know in your spiritual battle? Because the enemy is attacking you. Because the enemy is attacking your family. Because the enemy is after you. There's a target on your back. And he is doing everything he can to destroy you. And you feel the burden of that. And you know, I only have one choice. And that is to operate in the authority of who God's called me to be. And to fight the enemy with the power of the spirit that is supernatural. Because this is not a battle of flesh and blood. It's a battle of the spirit. And so if you don't feel like you're in a battle, the odds are... You're like Maverick flying around the air. And Iceman is saying, engage, engage, engage. And he is around the battle, but he is not engaged in the battle. If, again, like, it's so easy in the Western culture to believe the lie that we can have both the world and the kingdom of God. We can't. You can't. And if you think that you can, you're not in the battle. That if Jesus is your king and that you serve him, there will be a battle in your life. And and, and the reason that happens is because we really don't believe that we're in a war. We really don't believe that people's lives are at stake. We really don't believe that the enemy is real. We accept Jesus because we say we love Jesus, and that's as far as it goes in our life. But Jesus said, don't, he didn't say go and make, you know, go go do evangelism or go save people. He said, go and make disciples. Disciples are people who are growing in their faith, growing in their understanding of the kingdom of God, and growing in their offensive effort against the enemy. In Matthew eleven twelve, it says this. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful, and forceful men, women, lay a hold of it. The Greek term for forcefully advancing is translated and understood as to exercise force. This verse, properly translated, says the kingdom of heaven... Exercise, the kingdom of heaven exercises its force or makes its way powerfully in the world. Now, what does this mean? It means that God is the aggressor. It means that God is pushing forward. It means that the enemy is on his heels. The enemy is on his heels. And that there is nothing that is going to stop Jesus. And so we're invited into this battle that we know Jesus has won. You know, we're more worried about the prince of darkness than the prince of peace. We're more worried. We think that he has this power and this authority, and we're afraid. No. Who has all authority over heaven and earth? Jesus Christ. Who has dominion over this world? Jesus Christ. What is the power that lives in us? Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. And so why don't we engage the battle? Because we're either been lulled to sleep and we don't think there is one, or we're afraid of the enemy for no reason. For no reason. The battle, the war has been won. The battle exists for us. But Jesus is all-powerful. Jesus has authority over the enemy. When Jesus went to the cross and he ascended to heaven, 
It dealt a blow to the enemy that compromised his authority. And when he returns, he will annihilate him. But in the meantime, he has called us into this battle, given us authority and power to fight against him with the guarantee that we will win. We have more power than he does. There's no, like, matchup. There's not. It's like Brock Lesnar against, like, a 10-year-old baby. And the UFC, like, in the ring. I don't know how it is, okay? It's like, you know, it's like the Dodgers playing a Little League baseball team. Are they both playing baseball? Is there pitching going on? Is there fielding going on? Yes, but guess what? The Dodgers are going to win every single time. Every single time. That's our position in the battle. That's what we're called to be, and that's what we're called to do. I'm going to turn over here. You see, the problem is we aren't taking, we aren't taking our authority and commanding God's power. We're not taking our authority. This is who I am and releasing God's power. Instead, we are passively asking God to do what he has told us to do. He said, I've given you authority. I've given you power. Now go build my kingdom. And we're like... Yeah, and we're not, I'm not saying we're not supposed to pray. But with that authority, we are to exercise the power. We are to release the power. Jesus' work is finished. And so we're like, God, you know, will you come and do this? And I, and again, I'm not saying we shouldn't pray. But what I'm saying is that that is like us saying to God, hey, will you come and do this? And God is saying, mm, I've, I've gone up and I'm with my Father in heaven. I've given you power. I've given you authority. You go and do it. I've created good works for you before the creation of the world. And when you exercise authority and power in my name, I am glorified. It brings joy to my heart. No one is like looking at you when you do that and be like, the power, the power's not in you, it's in Jesus. You think people really think that? No, they know the power's in Jesus. Right? That's like the donkey that was carrying Jesus into Jerusalem. And people were like, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. You think the donkey was thinking, yeah, whoa, look at me. I'm carrying Jesus. You got it. Look at me. Look what I'm doing. No, no. So quit using that excuse. You have been given authority. You have been given a power. Now you need to exercise it. So this is what the enemy does to mess us up, okay, to, like, make us believe we aren't who we are. It's not what he does. It is kind of what he does. But it's a strategy, Because once we become a believer, his number one goal is to shut us down, to make us believe that we aren't who we are, okay? Because power is only given to those who have been given authority. No authority, no power from Jesus, okay? If you don't have the authority of Christ in you, if you're not a child of God, he will not give you power because you'll just hurt people. And you're not on his team, be like giving power to the enemy, okay? And so, no power. Power is only given to those in authority. It's God's power that defeats and conquers the enemy, right? We know that. God's given us his power. Jesus given us his power and authority. And that is what conquers the enemy. So what do you think the enemy wants to take from us? Our power, because that's what defeats him. But he can't because it comes from Jesus. So he can't take our power. Because if if he took our power, we couldn't fight against him. But that's what he wants. 
But he can't take it because it's a gift from Jesus. It's a promise from Jesus that we have. But what can he do? He can convince us that we do not have authority. He can convince us that we don't have authority. Because if we don't think we have authority, then we will not use the power that comes with it. You see his strategy there? He can't take his power. He can't take the power that's been given. It lives in us through the power of the Spirit. But if he convinces us, you don't have any authority. Who do you think you are? You don't have any authority. Then if we believe that, we're like, well, if I don't have authority, then I feel powerless. I feel afraid. If I don't have authority, then how am I going to move against the big bad enemy? That's how he attacks us. That's what he tries to do. That's why we're going to be talking about identity. It's because if we don't believe we have authority, we will not exercise power. If we don't exercise power, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God will not advance against the kingdom of darkness because it requires supernatural power that comes from Jesus and we can't muster up. And this is hard for us to believe. I mean, I'm speaking to myself in this. I have opportunities at times that I think I need to engage. I'm flying outside the battle. God's calling me to engage. Jesus is inviting me to engage. And I just struggle to believe that I am who God says I am. And so like those first two testimonies, we need to be told by the Father, reminded by the Father of who we are. Because the enemy is always, 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 in very deceitful ways, in very cunning ways, lying to us about who we are. And both those guys had believed those lies. They believed those lies and had stunted the ministry and the growth that God had called them to and was calling them to. And so, this is how it affects me. And you've heard me say this. And don't feel pity for me, because it's not true. Okay, I struggle with when the enemy's after me. The, the lies that I struggle to believe, that not to believe, are that I'm a, da- I'm a bad dad, bad church leader, and a bad husband. Okay, so those are the lies. And, uh, and I always, that's what it comes back to every time the enemy, enemy tells me. And so um, God, uh, each time, he tells me these, he reminds me of who I really am in different ways. And uh, a few weeks ago, I talked about um, how my knees were jacked up. I needed two knee replacements, and I tied it into the end of a fabulous talk. And, uh, and, how, and how you should end. It would be better to end with a limp and live life to the full than just kind of like not do anything. I know. And so, and so I said that. And then there was this guy, Albert, who came to town, who's like 92 years old, was nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. He's like a gospel guy, he, he, he worked in, the, in Colombia for 32 years and helped the peace treaty be, be, be between the, the guerrillas and the government and was, you know, offered up the Nobel Peace Prize. And um, he's 92, and he came to Jacksonville, and he prays for healing for people, okay? And so, like, I go to this thing. The night before this, Laura and I were talking about when I want to get my knee, my first knee replaced, and, like, when summer and these different things going on. It's like, well, just wait. This healer guy's coming. I want to see if he, if he heals me. Okay, so I go with some of the staff to this place, and I had heard he healed someone in our church already that was totally healed, a doctor. All right, a doctor, like, type A, awesome person. Healed, totally healed their hip. So I'm like, I'm going to get my knee healed. So I go there. I, I, I sit down, 
And they go, um, I start telling them, like, everything that's wrong with me. I can't sleep. Like, I'm a backed-up jack. My hip hurts. My, both my knees are whatever, whatever. And then the guy literally says, like, are you a, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? And I'm like, yes. Because <laughs> I don't like to tell people I'm a pastor, right? So they just treat me normal, right? Okay, and so... And then someone else came, came and told him or whatever. And so he lays his hand on my knee, and he says, okay, you have bone on bone on this knee. We're going to pray for it, and the cartilage is going to grow. And I'm like, okay, let's go. Mm. Okay, and so he prays, in the name of Jesus, I command cartilage to grow in your knee, and for the pain to go, and for you to be healed. All right, and now I felt something. I felt something when I stood up. My knee felt stable in a way that it hadn't for a long time. I walked a little bit. There's no pain. And so I'm like, all right, here we go, like, it's going to click back. I'm going to be jacked up. I'm going to embarrass myself or whatever. So then I'm like, I'm really going to test it. So I did like this thing called a pistol where you like bend down on one leg to the bottom, you know, all the way to the ground on one leg and then stand back up. And it's a very hard exercise. I haven't done it in years because my knees are jacked up and I could do it like no problem, no pain, no problem, no pain. I'm like, I think I'm healed. Oh my word. Never had anything like this happen. And so, I know, I got saved right there for the fourth time. And so, <laughs> and so I go, I go, and, I, and in my mind, I'm like, oh, I'm going to really see if I'm healed. I'm going to go run a 5K. Now, I just turned 50, and I haven't run in like a distance run for five years, maybe, maybe even longer because of my knees. I can't even walk because my knees hurt. So I walk home, Laura's there, I'm like, I think I got healed. I'm walking with my running shoes. I'm going running. She's like, what? I was like, yeah, I'm going running. So I get ready put my shoes on, and I just start running. The last time I tried to run, my knees were injected with this numbing solution to see if what was wrong with them. And I couldn't run 20 yards with numbing solution on my knees. And I ran the 5K. I ran it. I ran the 5K. I know. I know. It gets worse. Don't worry. Okay? I run the 5K, and I get back, and my, my knees don't hurt. And, I mean, the next day, my whole body hurt. I went, I went to work out, and I pulled, like, something in my calf because I hadn't run it for, forever. My lungs were about to explode. I was praying for strength in my muscles, and, I, I mean, my average heart rate was 174. I know, for 29 minutes. 29 minutes. I, could, I mean, I'm 50. I said that. Okay, and so the whole way, when I was running, my knee would start to hurt. And I would say, in the name of Jesus Christ, I'd say just what he said. In the name of Jesus Christ, I, I command that pain to go away. And it will go away. And I keep running, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. And, and throughout the run, the whole time, I was praying that. Anything that would happen. But also, the Holy Spirit began to reveal to me lies that I had believed about who I am. When you're 50 years old, you're going to have arthritis in your knees. And I believe, well, that's who I am. That's what's going to happen. Or, or, or things like, you know... Um, you, you've stopped believing and having confidence that healing occurs. And so it was part repentance for that. And then some of it was worship that I was getting to run again. All through this run, all these things were happening. My faith was just growing and growing and growing. Now, I'll tell you, my knee is killing me right now. My hip is killing me right now. Both my knees have returned to exactly how they are. I don't know why, but I know that God did something, that he healed me. And I can't control what's happened or whatever. But I'll tell you this. Even though my knee hurts right now, and that I will maybe have to have surgery, the faith boost I had 
the reminder of who I am, the authority that I've been given, the role that I've been placed in as a leader of a church that I have in my family, that I have the privilege of leading people who want to build the kingdom of God, that are great forgivers and offer me grace, that I'm a child of God, that I'm not a bad dad. I'm the best dad for my kids. I'm not a bad church leader. I'm the best church leader that River City Church could ever have, right? I'm not an average husband. I am an amazing husband, amazing husband to my wife. And, and, and we need to be willing to, train, to trade everything, everything, to know who we are, to believe who we are, and to exercise the power of who we are. It's the most exciting and most fun thing you will ever do. It begins, this, these are the two things. This is, this is straight up. These are two things. It begins with believing that you are who Jesus says you are. And that he has given you the authority to accomplish the mission he's given you. I mean, you guys, if you're a believer, you believe that he rose from the dead. You believe that. That he rose from the dead. You believe that he healed people. You believe that he rose people from the dead. That he resurrected people. You believe crazy, crazy things about Jesus Christ. But you need to start believing who he says you are. That's a lot easier than believing the craziness you already believe. It is. You just need to believe it. You need to choose to believe it. And then once you believe it, you need to risk. It requires you to act on the authority and release the power that is in you to bring life and healing and salvation to people that the enemy has stolen from us, people that he is killing, people that he is destroying their life, that he is sucking the life out of them. And they are blind, and they are dead. And we are called, like Jesus, to go into the world to find them, to exercise our power, to defeat the enemy in their life so that they can come home and be who they're really created to be. The same power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. Scripture says that. Is in you. Lives in you. That is tremendous power. We need to start acting like it's true. That's what this series is about. Your identity. Who you really are. Let's remind ourselves. Let's come forward today when we have prayer ministry and allow God to speak to us. To tell us. Remind us who we really are. The number one thing that God has healed in people in this church is the father wound. The lie that we believe about who God is, that he's mad at us, that he's sad with us, that he's disappointed with us. If we believe that, then we certainly don't believe that he loves us, that he's given us authority and power. And so maybe you come forward today and the Lord speaks over you a similar word that he spoke over the people that I listed as an example. Maybe you come forward today and the Lord reminds you of who you are, the authority that he's given you. Or maybe the Lord reminds you and you believe, yes, I have authority. I know that. I believe that. But for whatever reason, you fear the enemy. You fear the enemy. And he wants to execute power through you. And he's going to speak to you and he's going to fill you with power. And you're going to begin to move and transform Jacksonville, your family, your friends, 
with the power of the Spirit. It's not up to you. It's allowing Jesus to move through you. Let's stand. Now, if you're a visitor, this is how we end every service.
Just come. Just come, Holy Spirit. Let's just wait. 